following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Mick Schott, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. It is Cowboys Wednesday at the Star in Frisco. Mickey Spagnola inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios. I'm Bill Jones at home. Everson Walls at home in front of the picture of himself. And yes, it is Falcons Week all across the great Southwest. How are you doing, guys? I feel a little egotistical now since you kind of called me out on my picture. <laughs> I might change it now. Tomorrow you might see something else. <laughs> just, just can't help noticing it can't over, your, over your shoulder there. I still say it looks a lot like Larry Brown, but you say hey, it's stop. Everson. Stop it. <laughs> Larry did not deal. These are the old uh, road blue jerseys. The old okay. road blue jerseys. Larry Brown knows nothing about those. Are those the ones that had jinxes <laughs> well, on them? That's the one that had the jinx on them, but we did win that game. So All right. I, I didn't well, believe in that. <laughs> well, judging by the new road blue jerseys on Sunday night, it looks like the jinx is back, maybe. Maybe <laughs> uh, and get back in the home whites at noon Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. What do you say, Mickey? Or maybe put them in the whites without names and numbers so the, the opponent doesn't know who's out there, right? <laughs> well, uh Cowboys on the practice field. Back to work today. We heard Mike McCarthy uh, this morning. That's where we'll uh, kick things off. I've been studying the Atlanta Falcons this morning. In fact, uh, just got off the elliptical about an hour ago and watched the entire uh, game, the condensed version, uh, not the three-hour version against uh, the Seahawks. I got some thoughts on, on that and how in the NFL, the little things matter so much, which might be, once again, what the coach is talking to his team about uh, this morning when they reconvened. Uh, but, Mickey, what's your take uh, on how things are going out there at the start of the day? Well, there seems to be a lot of uh, roster juggling going on, a lot of movement uh, to the injured reserve, to the practice squad, to the 53-man roster, to talking to guys uh, that could be on the 53-man roster. So, uh, yeah, a lot of moving parts out here after the uh, rash of injuries. And uh, maybe the, you know, we knew uh, about Leighton Vanderish, uh, probably out eight weeks, had surgery to repair the fractured collarbone. Um, you know, we knew Lael Collins was on injured reserve already, and, you know, I, I would imagine the hope is he only has to miss the mandatory three games with his uh, hip injury. Uh, we knew that Blake, uh, Blake Jarwin was going on injured reserve. Uh, we'll have surgery to repair a torn ACL. He's basically done for the season. But what we didn't know and found out today uh, was that Sean Lee, uh, the reason he's on injured reserve, not trying to rehab a sports hernia, but last week he had surgery to repair the sports hernia. Uh, and he's likely out uh, going to miss six weeks, so five more uh, mm -hmm. after this week, so, or after the first week of the season. So uh, 
so that's somewhat concerning because you were hoping that Sean Lee would be back, you know, kind of grit your teeth, two more games, and then he'd be back on the field, but not so much. So uh, I think the Cowboys understand. And also with um, Cam uh, Irving, uh, sprained MCL, initially we were hearing two to four, but now uh, Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy said four to six. Uh, so the Cowboys, and he's so they basically put him on injured reserve uh, to create another roster spot. And now they're searching for uh, offensive tackles to help with the depth uh, on this team since they had to start an undrafted rookie free agent. And nothing against undrafted rookie free agents, but I just don't want that guy on at right tackle uh, too long. So we'll see where this goes here in the next couple days. Hey, what the hell is wrong with it? I know, I know. <laughs> when I was getting ready to say it, I knew here? I was kind of stepping on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great point, Everson. Well, you know, when you talk about how we're talking steel, correct? Are we talking steel? Terrence Steele, yes. Terrence yeah. Steele, yeah. You know, when you look at how he played, uh, he did give up a, a, a very untimely sack that kind of led to our demise uh, for uh, more than one drive. Uh, but uh, when, you, when you think about the, uh, you know, the job that he did overall, I thought it was, it was as good as anyone else on that offensive line. Let's be real, guys. The second half of that game, uh, first of all, Dak, Dak and, and Zeke were just balling. I mean, the whole offense was just clicking on, on, on all cylinders. And then in the second half, the Rams turned it up. And when they turned it up, I recall several times uh, in the second half, especially on key third downs, I couldn't even see Dak in the pocket. He was totally surrounded uh, by Rams, and he had no way to step into any of his throws. Uh, that uh, was not just steel. That was that entire Rams defensive line coming to play. I don't know what adjustments they made, whether it was an attitude adjustment or whether it was something on paper. But they were a different defensive line in the second half of that game. You know, Everson, I'm glad you pointed that out because there's some people out there that were putting this loss on Dak because he can't win close games. It's like, did you watch the game? Did, did you really watch what was going on in the pocket uh, on how many times he was getting hit and had to move and couldn't step up in the pocket? I, I don't understand folks sometimes. And, and, and it, it, it was... I mean, if you watched, it was fairly obvious what was happening, uh, especially in the second half when uh, they only kicked a field goal. You know, and the Rams didn't line it up the second half either. They scored one touchdown. Well, that happened to be enough because the Cowboys only kicked a field goal. Uh, if the Cowboys pick up that, you know, if, ands, and buts, right? If they pick up the first down, maybe they score a touchdown there instead of coming away with no points on that fourth and three. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, that offensive line struggled, and that's one of the reasons why uh, they ended up uh, signing Alex Light off the Arizona practice squad. Um, he's a guy that's been in the league three years, uh, started, uh, played 13 games uh, for Green Bay, 151 snaps uh, in, in 20, uh, 2019, so, and had played three games as a rookie. So. He's got a little bit of experience. He was, how about this? So he had been on the Green Bay roster. They released him, signed him 
to the uh, practice squad, released him on September 10th. Arizona signs him to the practice squad on September 14th, and the Cowboys signed him to the 53 on September 15th. So I hope he didn't move, you know, for, for one day. Uh, so he's got at least a little well, experience. Well, you know why the Cowboys signed him then? What? But you know why the Cowboys signed him then? Why is that? Because they've got it's the track because they've had him before. This coaching staff's had him before yes. in Green Bay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, and they were familiar yeah. with in, him in 2018. Joe Philbin, the offensive line coach, and so yeah, so they're familiar with him, and that that happens so often uh, that and so they're they're taking a flyer on him. They've had him before. They've got uh, some product knowledge there. Uh, but it's it's a, it's a great example of there's there's not much out there. I mean, you got to go with what you have, and you got to hope that Lyle Collins gets back pretty soon. Well, and uh, word is that they were also meeting today with Jared Veld here, uh, a veteran offensive tackle, ten years there you uh, go. in the league, uh, and and he actually it played uh, he started 113 of the 120 games. Uh, that he's played in the league at, and, and mostly at right tackle. And he was last with the Packers in 2019. And, and here's his track record. Oakland, Arizona, Denver, New England, and then Green Bay. And at New England, he ended up retiring. And then he had second thoughts, mm -hmm. and towards the end of the season, uh, he unretired after the Patriots released him. Uh, and the Packers signed him off the retired list, uh, and he played, uh, had two starts at the end of the season after Bulaga uh, got hurt. So Mike would have seen him. If, I'm sure he was intimately watching the Packers games, and so he would have at least seen him play. So, uh, as I said, a lot of moving parts. They uh, also uh, signed a linebacker, Rashard Smith, off the Bears practice squad, an undrafted rookie. They're just looking for depth. You know, when we were sitting there watching the portion of practice we get to see, it was a lonely situation over there at the linebacker spot. I think there was five of them, and one of them was on the practice squad. So didn't have a whole lot of depth at the linebacker spot. And, oh, one more move, and we probably figured this was coming sooner than later. Uh, they uh, signed... Uh, Brandon Card from the practice squad onto the 53-man roster. There you go. Well, I tell you what, guys, this is my take on it. As far as the offensive linemen are concerned, uh, you can sign who you want to sign. You have some amazing defensive linemen in this league that we are going to be going up against. There are times when you can see our quarterback sitting in the pocket almost like he's a sitting duck. Uh, you can see as a coach when the momentum of the game is changing just a bit. And you need to adapt to that. To me, when you have a quarterback like Dak who's so mobile, uh, there were times when he barely escaped with his life and made something extremely positive out of those plays when the pressure was all in his face. I, I just think we are missing the boat when we're not using all of his talents. We ran into the same thing last year. I think Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback uh, in the pocket and on the run. Uh, I have always believed that we become predictable by just sitting him back in the pocket and admiring how well he hits a, uh, uh, Cooper or how well he hits Gallup, how well he hits the tight end. 
I think we need to start moving the pocket for this guy, man. You know, what's wrong with bootlegs? What's wrong with using this stud that we have, this huge quarterback who, when he was in college, ran over the entire University of Alabama football team? What is wrong with using him in a very diverse manner, uh, manners? Uh, you, you have Lamar Jackson. He's, a, he's, he's just a, a player unto himself. But you don't have to be Lamar Jackson to be able to do a rollout or to do a bootleg or to be accurate while moving the pocket. It's just so, so many things I think we're missing out on when it comes to Dak. So, Everson, what other NFL quarterback would you most compare Dak's skill set to? Hmm. Uh, I, this is going to sound extremely arrogant because he's not nearly as accurate as who I'm about to bring up. But in regards to his physical talent and the way he throws the ball, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I think Dak can throw any pass he wants to throw. That's funny. Now, I was, no gonna, I was thinking he, that was the answer, Aaron Rodgers. Because if you think about it, Green Bay really? rolls him out quite a bit. Or they get him to throw the ball on the run on purpose, by the way. And, you know, On when purpose. we watch, yes. you know, Everson, when we watched uh, training camp practices, you know, a lot of the drills they did before practice with the quarterback was this, this kind of drill where you had to, the quarterback had to move, move, move in and out of the pylons. They had to improvise and, a little bit. And then yes. throw on the run into the net and hit one of the three targets. And I said, okay, so they're kind of getting him used to throwing on the run. Uh, what it feels like to move around in the pocket and not be stationary. And I thought, you know, okay, here's what's going to happen. You know, and they used a lot of boots last year, uh, get them out of the pocket and throw uh, to the tight end. I, I don't know if losing Jarwin uh, caused that to maybe not take place as much in the game against the Rams, but that had been a staple in this offense uh, with Kellen Moore of bootlegs. And, and if there's nothing there, just take off and run. So this will be interesting to see uh, what's going on because I think they got a taste of, you know, the possibility that this offensive line might not be what they think it is uh, at this point in the season. Oh, and one other note, uh, I mean, Jordan, he, Jordan Lewis, uh, actually this was the first time he took part in drills uh, in practice. The last week he was basically doing resistance cord kind of conditioning type stuff, but this was the first time he actually uh, was was taking part in the drills that we were able to watch. And and Randy Gregory must have passed all his COVID-19 tests because he was out on the field doing conditioning work uh, with the trainers. So, uh, you know, he's still got five weeks to go. It was a, uh, a temporary uh, reinstatement. Uh, and uh, he couldn't, he had to miss six weeks, but he's allowed to do conditioning work, individual uh, training drills, uh, along with uh, sit in on team meetings. So it looks like uh, his clock's starting uh, on his way to uh, being ready to go uh, after the six week period. And he looked good, too, by the way. Didn't look like, remember, you know, he always looked like he, he needed to eat more, right? When he got here, he was, you know, like 235, 40 pounds. Uh, but he, he looks good. So, and, and judging from the tweet, when he got uh, conditionally reinstated, uh, a pretty happy camper and was thanking a whole bunch of people uh, who helped him get back to this uh, stage of the game. And if he can come back to do anything 
anything remotely close to what Alden Smith did, <laughs> uh, the Cowboys will hit another home run with this guy. All right, we're just getting started on this edition of Mix Shots. Uh, I've got my thoughts on uh, what I saw from the Falcons against the Seahawks, a uh, loss in their season opener. They're in the same boat the Cowboys are in as they head here this weekend for the noon kickoff on uh, Sunday at AT&T Stadium, where, yes, there will be fans in the stands. And we're back with much more Mix Shots in just a moment. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. Make the most of summer with Ford, America's best-selling brand during the Ford Summer Sales Event. With great offers on a huge selection of Ford SUVs and the largest selection of truck inventory to choose from. Get huge offers across the Ford lineup. So grab the family and head out. Ford's helping you make the most out of summer. It's easier now during the Ford Summer Sales Event. Based on 2019 calendar year total sales. Based on auto data compact and full-size stock inventory as of June 2020. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Back, back, back to Mick Shots. Let Dallas Cowboys rhythm and blue entertain you with some of the best hip-hop talent in the area, whether it's the high-energy co-ed dance team or the dynamic drumline. Either can be booked to provide a unique and unforgettable experience for your virtual or in-person event. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash DCRB for more information or to book today. Tell you what, I've done uh, yesterday. I was at the uh, Tostitos Championship Plaza at the Star in Frisco doing a live shot at uh, 6 o'clock, and there's a lot of activity at the Star. Uh, you'll, you have... Uh, Looks like uh, youth league flag football teams. They'll use the football field there and they'll conduct their practices there. You got cheerleading, uh, youth cheerleaders that are there on the practice field there. They serve it as a practice field basically, uh, right there by the hotel. And 
you couldn't tell we're in a pandemic. Uh, everyone is socially distanced. I will say that. It's not like they're violating anything. You're supposed to be, uh, if you're around people, supposed to be outside. And if you're not active, they've got masks on and stuff. But it, it feels good that there are people out and about around the star. So, Bill, did you figure out I'm what... So, I'm uh, so glad we're getting back to normal. Bill, have you figured out what 25% of the Cowboys' capacity will be that that will be allowed in since Mike McCarthy? What's the official capacity? Is it not... Is 90, it 90, the official it's, capacity? It's like 90, 92, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Give me so that, that 25%. 25%. Of 80,000 is 20,000. Yes. And 25% of 100,000 is, is 25,000. 25,000. Right? So, so 92,500. Okay, very so good. 22,500. And I, I, I read <laughs> so that. That's your, I read that the, uh, the, the attendance of, of people sitting in the suites won't, uh, won't count against uh, that 25%. Like that's a private club area. I assumed that the uh, suites were closed. No. I didn't think they would be in the suites. They are open. Not the bunker suites now, but the ones on the, you know, top of the... Not field level. Second yeah. level, third level, fourth level, whatever. Uh, they're, they're good to go. Uh -huh. So that does not count. That does not count as stadium attendance? That's what I read from uh, uh, one of Those the are... representatives that's kind of in charge of this whole deal out at the stadium. So that's like their private homes. It's, yes. it's their weekend getaway home. And, and they don't have to. <laughs> that they own. And, and I think if, the, and, and assuming the windows are closed or whatever and you're inside the suite, then, uh, you know, social distancing is up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I think one of the interesting things is, okay, say they got 22,500 people in there. Okay. is where are they going to be seated? Because I've been to high school games at AT&T Stadium where they don't even open the upper deck, where it's the lower bowl, basically. And people are pretty, a lot, especially in the end zones, they'll be socially distanced, even though the, it wasn't socially distanced, wasn't the thing then. Uh, it was just that was the number of people that they had, and people just like to have elbow room, whatever. You know, they were watching the games. I wonder how many you can fit in the lower bowl. No, that's uh, and not. Be, and be in pods. Yeah, it's going to be in pods. And you know what? When they sent out the notice that they were, uh, like they had completed the sales to the season ticket holders, they had first dibs on uh, as many as six tickets, but you had to keep your six-person uh, party in a pod. Uh, then they put on single-game tickets and for this game, when I clicked on it, they were selling the 400-level tickets for $89 for a single game. So wow. I would imagine you've got to sit in the seats you buy. There's no just moving right. around and, you know, sit where you want. So they had supposedly uh, reading this article, and by the way, if anybody is thinking of going to the game or they are going to the game, uh, check out the Dallas Morning News. It was a pretty uh, extensive uh, description of what game day would look like. And, uh, you know, the entrances, uh, how many entrances they'll, they'll be able to use to keep the crowd from uh, lining up. And 
the fact that if they, you know, if you want to buy food, it's going to be in prepackaged containers. Uh, and there's going to be actually people walking, uh, security walking through the stadium to make sure this isn't like NASCAR when they had the race uh, in Fort Worth and people had to wear a mask and they wore it to get in and then once they were in they took them off and they're going to be reminders yeah. that you've got to keep your mask on while you're watching the game. Well, not to, not just that. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with the uh, Cowboy Legends, I'm one of them. Uh, that entire uh, program was uh, dismantled for this season. So you're so not signing autographs before the game? Uh, if I sign autographs before the game, it'll be at some outdoor tailgate. Uh huh. But in regards to going around and visiting uh, suites and things of that nature, no, that is off limits. That has been discontinued for this season. And I think I read so, where uh, there wouldn't be a, any tailgating either. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm asking for a raise for today. Can I start? Can I renegotiate my contract? <laughs> As I told somebody on Twitter when they complained about something, I said, welcome to 2020, baby. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, it, it is going to be interesting to see uh, what it looks like with fans in the stands. And I taped the Mike McCarthy show last night right off the bat. It, it, I, I said, it, you know, it's going to be kind of strange. You're actually going to have fans in the stands on Sunday. <laughs> well, you know, he, he remarked about so. how strange it was in L.A. Uh, with no, no fans. He said then there wasn't as much uh, the piped-in noise, cheering, fan stuff that, that he was anticipating. And, and, and it was almost sounded like it was eerily quiet. And, and, you know, and even um, I was told by uh, some of the people in-house that were there covering the game, uh, Nick Eatman, uh, and even the PR guys, they weren't in the press box. They, they, they sequestered them in a suite. Uh, so the PR guys were in a suite, and Nick was in a suite all by himself. Uh, and it was quiet. He said he couldn't hardly hear anything. It was the weirdest way to... Uh, be able to cover a game because he didn't even have uh, volume to listen to the TV broadcast. So, yeah, it's a, so, it's so a different question, thing. So my question on that is, is how much of the sound that we are hearing on the television broadcast is the actual sound that is in the stadium, crowd noise, or are, is the TV network piping in crowd noise as well for us uh, listening and, at, and watching at home. Yeah, I don't or think they've what got we're us. hearing uh, at home on television the same thing that's being heard inside the stadium. I think so. I think so, Bill. I don't Bless think you, they. Anderson. I don't think Thank they you. have a different uh, <laughs> a different crowdsource to to put on TV. Maybe they accentuate uh, what they're picking up on their mics, right? Because I'll tell you what. Do you remember the field goal the Rams missed that hit off the upright? That that was that yeah, was the loudest yeah. that was the loudest bang I think I've ever heard on television in a football game. So I think they are accentuating that's, that's the sound. That's got to be a little disconcerting. That's got to be a little disconcerting to the field goal kicker because his failure is amplified. Yes, yes. By the fact that there's no. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this: I, I have been to a Ranger game or uh, uh, the first series uh, that the Rangers played. 
and and all the crowd noise that you're hearing on the Rangers broadcast, that's what they're hearing in the ballpark at, yeah. on the home games. And so, and, and, but I think there are some some TV networks are piping in crowd noise. I, I can't I can't recall which ones uh, are doing that, but others are not. I mean, if you when think you about NBA, if you think about watching the the hockey games, the playoffs, you can hear mm-hmm, the right. skates on the ice. So they've got mics all over right. the place trying to pick up sound. Yeah. In, in basketball, sometimes the squeak of the tennis shoe yes. was uh, uh, mistaken for a whistle. <laughs> uh, but, but they do a lot better job, I thought, in, in Orlando of, of kind of putting the crowd noise in. They were very timely on how they put it in. And there were times when I was watching the game and you actually think that there are people at the game. I'm not talking about the bench because they can't be heard over the quiet. But for the most part, they pipe in those cheers and the different types of cheers that they pipe in are what I liked about it. There was some jeering, not just uh, clapping and, and cheering, but there were jeers. And you, I think they even put in a few boos and, you know, like a little, little, little calamity was going on there. So they were very varied on uh, what sounds and types of cheers they were using. I thought that's what the NFL would do. Um, it would be great for the atmosphere. Right. And I talked to Mark Cuban about it prior to the NBA uh, season starting, and, and they have an app, and I, I never explored it after the, after the season started. They had an app where people could actually go online and, and, or with an app and, and put in crowd noise, and I, whether they actually – uh, had any effect or not, I don't know. There's probably someone just doing it and not even paying attention to what people right. are inputting. But but anyway. All right, I'm not sure if I have time to get into the Falcons. Uh, well, we, we can get started and then we can continue. All right, when you saw, and I don't know if y'all have been able to watch the Atlanta-Seattle game at all, but, but basically when you saw the final score of that game, what did you think? It was 38-25 Seattle. I thought it, it was wasn't a track just the meet. score that I looked at. It wasn't just the score that I looked at, Spags. Uh, it was Russell Wilson's numbers. Uh, he only missed four passes, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. 31 out of 35. 31 out of 35. Yeah, and we're That's talking right. 35 passes, and you only missed four. Uh, that doesn't bode well for uh, what I, I expect to see uh, this week for the Falcons' defense, and especially the secondary. Uh, that is that is almost perfection. And let's face it, Russell Wilson's a hell of a player, but he's not that good. I mean, really, you know, no one's that good uh, to be playing like that. And if I'm not mistaken, and of course, no crowd, no no crowd was there. But that was an unfamiliar field, correct? Was that not on the road? There was at Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. Did yeah. you see what his quarterback yeah. rating was? And a lot of that has to do with four touchdowns, no interceptions, and throwing for 322 yards. Yeah, 31 out of 35. Okay, and what they did a lot with him is what they do a lot with him all the time is they rolled him out. You, You talk about those bootlegs and so forth. First pass attempt of the game, though, he got sacked by... Tack uh, McKinley for Atlanta, and it was it was a bootleg, and he just the, so the defensive end, he he just pinned his ears back and he saw it coming, and he was immediate sack, but but they their first touchdown, they took advantage of that. Seattle did. They ran basically the same play, released the running back, 
and McKinley was in no man's land, and they, it was the easiest touchdown ever scored, whatever. Some of the, I think that the Cowboys, and when I asked you last segment about which quarterback uh, in the league that Dak is most similar to, the guy that, for me, it's Russell Wilson. And I think that the Cowboys, you know, it's a Brian Schottenheimer offense that Seattle runs. You know, McCarthy, he's, you know, he's from that Schottenheimer tree himself, Brian's dad, Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that Dak can learn a lot about this Atlanta defense and Kellen Moore and McCarthy, how to attack this Atlanta defense by looking uh, at what Seattle did against them because um, they, there was a uh, – they, they, I mean, as, as evidenced by the stats, they just took advantage of an Atlanta defense that was very aggressive – First couple of series, it was almost like uh, what um, what the Rams did to the Cowboys with a short passing game. Yes, because yes. the Cowboys were very aggressive, and and it, it took a while for the Cowboys to make an adjustment in that game. I think it took a while for Atlanta as well. So so Seattle gets up 14 to three to start that game, but then Atlanta comes back and it was a 14 to 12 game at halftime. Okay. Very similar to the Cowboys-Rams game. Cowboys led 14-13 at the half against the Rams. Here's what happened at, uh, well, I'll tell you when we come back because we're up against okay. a break. I'm going to tell okay. you what happened different in that game as opposed to the Cowboys-Rams game that gave Seattle the victory when we come back here on Mix Shots. And don't go anywhere. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at home pickup and delivery today. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. What do you call a group of grown men and women who get together every week proudly wearing the star to share a three-hour-long ritual of cheering, shouting at the TV, and raising their Miller light together while yelling, how about them boys? You call it Miller Time and Cowboys Nation. Here's to the only beer of the Cowboys celebrating 60 years of greatness. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2020 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. Back, back, back to Mick Shots. 
The Cowboys are celebrating styles and designs worn by players and coaches over the last 60 years. The Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop introduces the new era 1960 headwear collection. Find the full assortment at your nearest Cowboys Pro Shop and on shop.dallascowboys.com. All right, uh, final segment here of Mixed Shots. we got about 11 minutes to go here. Let me continue with uh, what we were talking about uh, before the break, uh, looking at that Seahawks-Falcons game and how the Cowboys can learn some lessons from it. And, and there's just a little bit of irony in this as well. Of course, everyone talking about the fourth and three decision that uh, Mike McCarthy made that did not work against the Rams. Well, this was... Uh, a little earlier in the game, in, fast, in fact, it was the first possession of the third quarter. Se Seattle had a 14-12 lead on uh, Atlanta. And, of course, when, the, when McCarthy made his decision, the Cowboys were trailing by three. But it's interesting, the, uh, Seattle faced a fourth and four at the Atlanta 38-yard line. Okay, They're ahead by two points, 14-12. And Seattle's, you're kind of in, in, in no man's land there, whether you, you want to punt them down and try to, uh, you know, cough and corner it or whatever, or go for it. Okay, they're fourth and four at the 38-yard line. They decided to go for it. So what do they do? They throw a touchdown pass. Okay? <laughs> they surprised them. They went deep. Touchdown. Okay? So now, all of it, so they're, all right. Let's say it's incomplete. All right, let's say they don't get the first down. Now you just gave Atlanta the football at the, with good field position, and you're only ahead 14-12, okay? You weren't even trailing in the game, and they, they went for it and made it, okay? But how much confidence does that instill in your team, especially first game of the year? You make a decision like that. We go for it. It works. Now you're ahead 21-12. to Also, now you got a nine-point lead on Atlanta. Atlanta gets the ball back. About the same spot on the field, about the 38-yard line, they face a fourth and three, fourth and two, something like that. They're in punt formation, and Atlanta runs a fake punt. Well, they execute it. The up back, he, he gets the first down, but Marquise Blair for Seattle, he comes in, puts his hat on that football, knocks it out. Seattle gets the turnover. Seattle gets the football at the 40-yard line. And a few plays later, they've got another touchdown, and Seattle leads that game 28-12. In a matter of basically two plays, a matter of six plays there, whatever it was, okay, they went from a 14-12 lead to 28-12, and Matt Ryan is throwing 54 passes the rest of the game instead of the balanced offense that Atlanta wanted to have. But I thought it was just a great example of a, a you know when it works, you're a genius. And and think about with McCarthy, had that play worked, and the Cowboys got a touchdown on that possession. Here he is coaching his first game with the Cowboys, and I didn't agree with the decision at the time. But now that I look back at it. What if it had worked? And what if the Cowboys take the lead? Well, the, the game plays out entirely differently the rest of the way because now the Rams are having to play from behind, and their play calling, their play selection is totally different, and the Cowboys have the upper hand the rest of the way. I think it's just, it was great little contrast, and it worked for Seattle. They get, basically in the NFL, what amounts to a blowout win by 13 points, and it doesn't work for the Cowboys, and Cowboys can't wait to play again and try to get back on the horse. Yeah, 24-20 was a big difference, wasn't it? Wouldn't it have been? 
Well, you know, when you start talking about the difference between a, a successful play and an unsuccessful play, it depends. That that de makes everything depend on where the dominoes fall from there. You can look at the Cowboys game. I bring it up uh, all the time. Cowboys game last year. The Dolphins were about to, to score against us. I think it was going to be before the half or be, be, before the end of the quarter. They're in scoring position. I think they were inside the 15-yard line. Here we are now. This game was a blowout for us. It was one of those easy games we had. We started off 3-0, and and all of a sudden, we, the, the wheels fall off, and, and, and the true Cowboys emerge. Well, the true Cowboys were in that Dolphins game because we were about to give up a rushing touchdown, and for some reason, the Dolphins running back pulled a Sanchez, I guess that's for lack of a better term. <laughs> he tried to extend as he was going down, and the ball hit somebody's butt, and they fumbles. Well, from there, I believe we go down and score, and the route is on. So when you look at these routes, there are certain times in the ball game where these key moments made a difference in that route and allowed that route to happen. So the Cowboys had a few of those instances last year, and it always made me nervous because we showed incompetence against the run even while we were routing people. So you're right, Bill. Those, those little uh, uh, gambles, they can work for you or they cannot work for you, and it just might determine what the attitude is for your entire team uh, for the rest of the season. Because like you said, if we make that first down, we're looking at this game possibly in an entirely different light. Our uh, construction, constructive criticism, for lack of a better term, that we put on this show would be a little bit more favored and it will be a little bit more in the Cowboys' favor when it's all said and done. So uh, that's why I'm not going to panic too much about this first game, but there are things that continued from last season that still gives me pause. I thought Mickey was going to chime in there. No, what I was going to say um, <laughs> is you mentioned the two touchdowns that Seattle scored. They ended up scoring 17 consecutive points. Now, I don't know if at that point that takes Atlanta out of what they would have liked to do, but Matt Ryan threw the ball 54 times. 50, is that their offense? Because they only rushed for 72 <laughs> yards. So uh, I'm thinking maybe they took them you know, out of their game at that point. They definitely did. They definitely did. If you go back and look at the beginning of that game, what they do on the first three plays of the game, first three plays of the game, they handed the ball off to Todd Gurley. Okay, their new running back. And I think four out of the first six plays, Gurley ran the ball and then he caught a pass. They obviously were intent on establishing Gurley. That was their big offseason move where they got Todd Gurley. You know, I think the other thing that's interesting and Mike McCarthy mentioned this a few weeks ago, talking about uh, watching the, the TV copy when he's scouting opponents. The TV copy and listening to the announcers as well as the coaches' film. And I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I would think any NFL team, whether the coaches do it or not, someone needs to listen to the TV broadcast of whoever your opponent is because there's a lot of times where the analyst will give away Secrets. <laughs> I have. That the, I have. I have. I agree with you 100%. Uh -huh. Bill. That you know, and if so you listen, often. if you listen 
to the broadcast, of the, and I don't even know who the announcers were. I didn't recognize the voices. But whoever the analyst was on that Atlanta-Seattle game, he kept talking about early in the game, Atlanta really wants to establish Todd Gurley here. And so there's a lot of times that coaches – NFL coaches, they think they're, it's in confidence. They're just giving, uh, you know, they're not expecting the analyst to go on the air and basically give away their, you know, what their mindset is as they go into the season. But you can pick up on little things there, and sometimes it's more subtle than others. But I think that's one thing that Atlanta, what the analyst was saying was that's one of their, uh, that's one of the things that when they looked at themselves this offseason, they really wanted to uh, because we didn't establish the run last year. We really want to get back to running the football. And so, uh, in, in fact, McCarthy at his press conference today said something about, well, they really want to throw the ball. I think, I think he may be bluffing there. I think he understands that Atlanta <laughs> really wants to run the ball. They want to get more balance in their offense. I want to be the TV coach, the, <laughs> the one that listens to everything and jots everything down. Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> but, but when you think about it, though, you know, you got guys like Tony Romo or Troy Aikman. They talk to the coaches and the key players that Saturday before the game. You can get all types of information from that. Mm -hmm. And I have yep. always thought that, Bill. It's so funny that you mentioned something like that. But, you know, I'm kind the of coaches, they let the guard down. They, 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 the yeah, coaches yeah, let their course. guard I mean, down with, those, that's with what the, the network guys. For. But then, then, that's then, what the whole interview is for is. Then the network guys, they, they just act like they figured it out themselves. Like, hey, I'm real smart. I <laughs> right, knew exactly. what was going on here. And you kind of disguise yeah, it, right? Like, hey, Romo That's was it. like, hey, they're going to run this play right now. Well, Romo uh -huh. was just at the practice yesterday. So, yeah, right. he, he just saw the plays. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when you talk about that, uh, going back to the Falcons game, and it, it just lends credence to what I've always said about a team game. Uh, Russell Wilson had help early on in that game. And what helped was the fact that that guy put his hat on, on, on the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, his defensive player, uh, or his, his special teams player, put that hat on the ball. You know, he didn't leave it up to Russell Wilson to, to come back out after the, the, the Falcons had driven all the way down and scored. They made the play themselves, and they put their offense in scoring position. In order for this team to be successful, guys, I've said it over and over again, they have to be mistake-free. They have to be known for being mistake-free, which we did not do that in the Rams game. They have to be known to have a defense that makes critical plays, which we did not make, especially third downs, uh, 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 an indicator of that. Offensively, the same thing. We do not capitalize off of each other's big plays. As a matter of fact, we let the opposition's uh, big plays determine how we play. So as a team, I don't care how many uh, superstars you have, you can have Russell Wilson, you can have Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, your defense and your special teams, they have to come to play as well. Hey, they gave and, you and an interception. Here, what else do you want? <laughs> and, and One. By the way, we're out of One. time here, but that, that Atlanta special teams coach, you know, he called the perfect play, the great fake punt. He didn't account for the fact that Marquise Blair was going to put his hat on Sherrod Neesman in the football, and it, it didn't work. And so it's all about execution. All right, we That's will right. be executing again tomorrow here on Mix Shots, and we will see you then. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!